This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, dear ones. Stacy here. I'm so honored to be with you today, and I pray blessings on you. I pray that you are engulfed in the deep love of Jesus to the point that you know it, that you feel it, that you sense it, that you rest in it. Today, I want to talk about something that's kind of hard and yet very common to all of our lives unanswered prayer in the midst of suffering. Tyler Statton calls in his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, he calls it silence and persistence. Peter Gregg, in his book, God on Mute, Engaging the Silence of Unanswered Prayer, says silence in response to our most heartfelt prayers is the hardest thing for a person of faith to wrestle with. The world collapses, then all goes quiet. Words can't explain what we're going through. People avoid you and don't know what to say. So you turn to him and you pray. You need him more than ever before, but somehow even God himself seems on mute. And this sinks into us with a sense of futility. But even in this crushing silence, there is a way forward. I recommend to you this honest book that he actually wrote to help his wife after her devastating diagnosis that she has lived with and suffered with for more than 20 years. She couldn't find anything to read that treated her suffering with power and without platitudes. So, friends, we'll put this resource and everything else that I reference in the show notes so that if you're interested, you can have the information and get get what you want, what you're moved to. I recently shared on my Facebook page that our family was able to take a wonderful vacation this past July. We went to the Tetons, which has been our favorite place for more than 25 years. We have a lot of history there. It's an annual trek that we have had to miss the last couple of years. But this year, (laughs) this year we went. Hiking, rafting, swimming, looking for wildlife, laughing, playing. And in the middle of it, we received heartbreaking news from one we love. Heartbreaking news. There we were on vacation, surrounded by beauty and folks on a reprieve from their day-to-day life. And life came crashing in. That's how it goes, though, doesn't it? Somehow, we are called to hold both, the good and the hard, the joy and the heartache, all at the same time. We're called to hold them honestly, vulnerably, courageously. We are urged not to run from the reality of suffering, and somehow, 
retain the truth that tragedy does not have the final say. It is not the end of the story, no matter what. Our family wept at the news we received. John and I actually had to take a drive so that we could scream loudly our agony for our friend. We prayed, we cried out, and all of that surrounded by the stunning glory of God's creation. Aspen trees in full display, their leaves quivering in the wind. Sunlight was shimmering on the lake, reflecting the glory of God. Cathedral mountains surrounded us, eliciting awe at each gaze. Beauty and sorrow, laughter and tears, all blended together in hearts that often feel the pain is simply too much. When it is too much, we cry out for the intervention of Jesus. We pray for Holy Spirit to come and do what he loves to do and is so very good at. Comfort, tend, meet. And maybe we don't see it or feel it, certainly not as quickly as we'd like. But in that, we still cling to the hope of the gospel. We hold tightly to the truth of the real story that indeed love prevails. Beauty is what is most true. Suffering is a part of the valley we are all walking through, but we are walking through it to an end that is really a beginning, where nothing is lost, where everything that is sad becomes untrue. But here, in the midst, in the moments, in the decades, We pray, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Because John and I had prayed for our friend earnestly and passionately that the heartbreak that happened would not happen. We had contended in advance with every prayer we had known how to pray, and then it went the opposite way. I bet you have known that experience way too many times. So our prayer changed. Our prayer changed to catch our hearts, Jesus, catch their hearts. Fiona Serres says in the little and powerful documentary about her father's ALS called The Terrifying Delight of Losing, that to be all in, In the intense, the hard, and the good is where we meet Jesus. So help us, Jesus. Help us meet you in the intense, in the hard, and the good, and help us to fix our gaze on you, to continue to believe in you. Because, yes, there is pain. Here is pain. Sometimes it feels like there is nothing but pain. And it's really hard when we feel like God isn't listening or worse, doesn't care. It's a lie, but it's one that we all have at times and we have to wrestle with. Though it's different. I know it's different from one another. There is grief that we all know. 
And part of our hope in that, in the thick of it, is that we can come to know something of the heart of God that we previously had not. We can know the shared pain of loving, the risk involved to your own heart, the agonizingly high cost paid on behalf of life, the grief of loss. He knows all that the sober reality of death, the danger of giving your whole heart to another, knowing that your well-being is out of your hands because theirs is. Perhaps what I have come to know more deeply in my own limited way as I experience and witness agony is the absurd invitation to believe that God is good even when I have no idea the outcome on any given day. Even when he is silent, in that, we share something with our Father that forces us to continue to trust his goodness or not. Dear ones, we have to be vigilant and have Holy Spirit help us to not let the confusion of unanswered prayer give space to question the heart of God. He is not on trial. He is not on trial. He is good. Even in the midst of mystery, even when we question it and ask, how, why did you let this happen? Guys, he has proved he is good once and for all at the cross. His name is faithful and true. And honestly, in our suffering, we can come to love him for the sacrifice he made to share our sorrow even more. And friends, I know that all suffering and all loss is not the same. All loss does not affect us the same. There are no measuring scales of sorrow. Sorrow varies by many circumstances. The death of a beloved and aged grandmother following a long battle with illness brings a pain that is different from the death of a young mother who passes away unexpectedly and leaves her bewildered children behind. A sudden death from an accident carries waves of shock that turn your world upside down. The suicide of one you love weighs in with a grief that is burdened with confusion and guilt. We wonder how we failed to see their pain. Could we have intervened and helped them in some way, in any way, and prevented their final choice? The age of the one who dies does affect the scale of our grief. The nearness in our family affects it. The proximity they held in our hearts plays its role. The place they take in our daily lives, the room they possess in our conscious and unconscious thoughts helps determine our daily experience of someone's passing. There is no magical scale that determines the validity of the level of a person's grief. We can't compare that. There's no right or wrong here. Sorrow cannot be measured. Death is violent no matter when it strikes or what form it takes. Our souls were not meant to live in a world with death. We rail against it, knowing intrinsically that this is not how it was meant to be. In a recent year, 
our family knew this kind of grief of loss. We lost a brother, a grandson, and a best friend within months of each other. We experienced a betrayal by one we love and trusted. We were blindsided by sorrow. Yes, grief and loss attacks our belief in the goodness of God, but betrayal attacks the core of our identity. How do we not see? The death of a dream can put to death something in the soul as well. We are not alone in this. Who of us cannot say that loss upon loss has characterized our lives? Who of us has not at one time wrestled with feeling betrayed by God? I'm going to read Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friends, loss does not define us. There has been gain upon gain as well. Death does not win. Death is actually the doorway to the resurrection. The death of a dream in time, if we will let it, gives birth to a honed vision. The death of a beloved deepens our soul and loosens our grip on this side. It helps us hold dear the ones close to us, sharpening our choice to risk to love without restraint in the here and now. Our, heart, our hearts rise up in an awakened state of the sobriety of our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote in The Weight of Glory, At present, we are on the outside, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of mourning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the pleasures we see. But all the pages of the New Testament are wrestling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday we shall get in. We will put on glory that greater glory of which nature is only the first sketch. Yes, God. Okay, here is something to hang on to. Here is the truth. The worst possible thing that could ever happen to you can never possibly happen to you. It's true. I'm serious. Because what is the worst thing that could ever happen to you Honestly, it is that you would be separated from God forever. The worst thing that could possibly happen to you is that you would not live in his love. Think on that and then remember that as his child, Romans 8, 38, 39, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I will say it again. Yeah, 
there is sorrow, there is pain, and the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you cannot ever possibly happen to you. Fixing our gaze on who Jesus really is and what he has done is critical. Friends, he knows suffering well. Remember his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, he prayed, let this cup pass me by. He's saying, I don't want to endure what I know is coming. Let it not be the story I am to live. But even in his profound moments of travail, suffering in advance, wrestling with God to the point of sweating blood, sweating blood, Jesus says, but not my will, but yours. He surrendered to his Father. He trusts his heart. He trusts his wisdom. He yields his very life to him. Jesus, our Jesus, who wept for Israel, who wept for his friend Lazarus, who wept and weeps still for us in our pain and suffering, is acquainted with grief. He is even acquainted with unanswered prayer and the silence of God. Why have you forsaken me? He cried. Jesus is the man of sorrows. He understands, beloved. His unanswered prayer of let this cup pass me by created the greatest answered prayer of all time. It is through his death that forgiveness and salvation come. His father, our father, knew it. Jesus knew it too. So Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Our God, our King, our Savior has not promised that we will not suffer. Suffering is guaranteed. As believers, it is even counted as an honor. Paul says in Colossians 1.24, a great mystery. He says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. No, we will have suffering. But Jesus has promised that he will be with us in it. He goes on, Hebrews chapter 13 is powerful. In verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And he's not just talking about money there, but be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And in Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He is the God who is with us, with us in it. In Pete Gregg's book, he writes that we must, in prayer, even when it's unanswered, persevere in prayer. Friends, your prayers matter. They do matter. Even when it feels like they're bouncing off the ceiling, 
They matter. Your prayers have an effect, even in eternity. So keep praying. And and it is okay sometimes if you get tired of praying, particularly for a certain thing where you're just not seeing movement. Come back to it. Let it go for a while. Come back to it. Because the second thing we need is we need others. Don't get isolated. Lean into others. When we are suffering, it makes us want to pull back, doesn't it? It makes us want to hide. It's hard to share that. Deep suffering makes you want to curl up in a ball and put the covers over your head. (sighs) But we need others. We need others to wait with us, even over the years. Sometimes we run out of prayers. When we do, let others hold your hope and your faith. We can stay hopeful in the waiting when we wait with others. And I want to do a little caveat here, and it is you do need to lean into others, but you need to lean into safe people. Honestly, you will intuitively know who you can trust with your pain, and it is not everyone. Ask God to guide you there and protect your heart. But if there could be a couple that are holding this, holding you, witness to your pain and your suffering and praying, yes. The third thing that's really important is by the grace of God, don't let go of your faith. You remember Corey Ten Boom, right? This is a woman who knew about suffering. She was in Ravensbrück during the Holocaust. She lost those she loved. You know what she suffered. And she said that when a train enters a tunnel, it's not the time to get off. Friends, when everything goes dark and we feel disoriented, Stay within that which you knew to be true beforehand, and it will eventually bring you through. Hold fast to the scriptures. When you are in a dark space, it is not the time to give up on God. Do not get off the train. He is with you. He is with us in the pain. He's with us in the confusion, in the doubt, in the mystery, and in the silence. And friends, it's not all mystery. There are reasons sometimes for unanswered prayer. Again, Pete Gregg puts it this way. We live in God's world, God's will, and God's war. So God's world just exposes the reality that life does work in certain ways. There are principles There are laws of the universe, like gravity. You uh, jump up, you're going to come down. A heavy rock falls on the ground, and if your toe's in the way, it's going to hurt. If you don't study for the test, you're not going to pass. And miracles, though they happen and are glorious, they are by definition rare because they violate the laws of the universe. That's why we call them miracles. So honestly, friends, life is a miracle itself. So we live within the boundaries of God's world, and we also live in God's will. And this is a tough one because a lot of us have abandoned or our churches aren't teaching us about the theology 
of suffering, the theology of the cross. Sometimes it is God's will that we suffer. We might not understand why God has us go through some things. And like Jesus going to the cross, we pray, let this cup pass from me. But sometimes unanswered prayer and suffering become the greatest answer prayer that has ever happened in our lives. I know so many people who look back on the suffering that they have endured and said, I have come to know Jesus so deeply through what I have endured that I wouldn't change a thing. Wow. Friends, he is honing us. There are things in our lives that are being stripped away. I once had a season, and maybe I'll go through it again. I think it's a great prayer. God, expand my heart. Expand my ability to love you. And he began to do that, expand my heart. Well, what that meant was there were things in my heart that had to go to make room for him. And honestly, that hurt. So there's God's world, there's God's will, and there's God's war. We talk about this a lot here at Wild at Heart. We have to understand that there is an enemy loose in our world who is actively working to steal, kill, and destroy, contesting God's will. I don't know what your view is on this, if it's dynamic sovereignty, but Look, there is a lot happening in the world that is not God's will. You don't have to look far in the news to see that. There is a war going on, and it is raging over the human heart and over the lives of people, even over creation. Friends, you're not alone in any of it. And let's, again, just come back to the truth that God's will does prevail. It will prevail. We do have the victory in Christ. He has won it at his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, but it is being played out until that final day when we all see Jesus face to face. And I know that enduring in the midst the perceived silence of God, we often think that if we just had understanding it would all be so much better. We ask, why? Why? Why is this happening? Why did you let that happen? Why are they going through suffering like this? We can't stand it for them. But actually, that is not often what we most need. We ask the question, why? But the better question is, where? Where are you, God, in this? And then look for him. Is it in the kindness of an unexpected note? It is in the beauty of creation, perhaps? Is it in a scripture that whispers hope to us in the smile of a stranger? Where? Ask him where he is because he has promised to be with us. And he is faithful. He is with us in our disappointment. He's with us in our grief. He's with us in our and other suffering, in our longings, in our heartbreaks, in our losses, in our goodbyes. Okay, friends, I want to pause here and just do a little divergence because I want to talk about, I need to say a little word about the temptation to go to desolation in the midst of unanswered prayer. 
or enduring what we feel is the silence of God. Desolation is rampant in the world. It's defined as a state of complete emptiness or destruction. And we see it all over the place, don't we? Primarily in people who have, because of grief or sorrow or even extended unanswered prayer, given up on God. I'm sure you know dear ones who once believed in Jesus who have walked away. I do. And it's grievous. But they are under desolation or being devastated. So we can have empathy even as we pray for the revelation of the true Jesus to them. Devastation is also rampant. It's a severe and overwhelming shock or grief. Devastation, ruin. When we received the tragic news that we received in the Tetons, I first said that I was devastated by it, but I needed to stop saying that. I was in shock and grief. Yes, but devastation is a matter of the heart that has tragically led to let go of God, of hope for too many people. Friends, beloveds of God, do not make agreements with devastation. So many, too many in the middle of sorrow or unanswered prayer or tragedy are tempted to give up on God. We say no to devastation and we hold fast to the truth that life wins. Dear ones, hold fast. On the islands of Hawaii, the locals don't say goodbye when parting. They say a hui ho when they part from one another, which means see you later. I guess that living on an island, they know that they'll be running into each other again sooner or later. It's inevitable. But I, who do not live on an island, but on a continent made of earth and water, dust and mud, beauty and heartbreak, too said, I'll see you later to my dear friend when I knew I would never see him again on this side, because I will. I will see him. We will embrace and laugh and shed holy tears of joy. This is our ultimate hope. The dead will be raised with new bodies, heavenly bodies, imperishable and glorious. We will all be changed. We will live endlessly with our God and with each other, and we will rule and reign with Christ and enjoy Him forever. Though partings are cruelly painful, and the prospect of living out the rest of our days on this side without the presence of ones we love is excruciating, partings are temporary. Grief is temporary. Suffering is temporary. Our God will wipe away our every tear. The day is coming. It is coming. And so when I said goodbye, I said a hooey ho to my friend. I could stand against desolation. For my friend who had been freed from his suffering, I could even rejoice. For the victory that we have in Christ, I rejoice. For the truth of the coming kingdom, I rejoice. For the fact that I and all those I know and love 
beloveds of God, will one day pass into eternity and see our God face to face, and there will be no more tears and no more sorrow ever again because of what Jesus has done and won for us. I rejoice. A grand and endless hello is coming. This morning, I looked out my bedroom window and looked again at the rose bushes I planted last summer. They survived the harsh winter. This very day, my roses are bursting with pink buds, promising a full display of beauty and glory. Their stark branches had looked hopeless and defeated for many months. In the barren cold of winter, it appeared as if they would not survive, let alone bear their splendor ever again. But they have not only survived, they have expanded. Their roots have gone deep and they have exploded with life. They are all that they are meant to be. And so it will be, my friends. So it will be. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. If you haven't yet turned to him with an act of faith, do it now. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world. I yield my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and my savior. I repent of my sin and I give you full authority over my life. Thank you that you do forgive me. Thank you that you love me. Friends, all around us, there are gentle invitations of truth and grace that call to us, if we will but have the ears to hear. Today, I do hear, and I pray you do as well, and are reminded of the promise of the restoration of all things. Death has lost its sting. The grave holds no victory. My visible world, your visible world, may scream only of loss, but the gain cannot and will not be held back. And because of that, because life wins and has won already, because of all Jesus has won for us, I, like you, can hold fast to our hope, hold fast to Jesus, even in the midst. I will choose to believe. I choose him. Join me. Ahui ho. Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua.
This is Stacy Burton, the producer of the Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Mm-hmm.